Hello, it's Moms Talk Autism here today, and we have a really awesome guest with us, like really awesome. So stay tuned, and we are going to introduce and roll her out to you. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Okay, so let me see. I, this is Jean. I sound different today, everyone listening. Um, may this may be a few episodes of me sounding like this, just FYI. But it Better is her sexy voice on. Yeah, my yeah. My <laughs> sexy. Thank you, Tosh. I appreciate that. Um uh, we'll keep it PG. And um Tosh is Hi. here with us. Hi. And so my 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 special co-host. And then our special guest today is I Eileen Aww. Shockley and known as Mama Fry. Um, cause her handle on Instagram is autism with a side of fries. And so when I, uh, when Rory first got diagnosed, um, I had a, you know, a really good friend of mine that, uh, worked with this population and she said, oh my gosh, you gotta follow this account. It's the best. You're going to love it. I love her. I crack up and I laugh out loud all the time because what I run in and I encounter with these kids sometimes she's very real. You will love her. And I said, awesome. So she was by far, she was one of the first people I ever followed. It was like my first like uh, social media peer to peer experience that um, I, I was having. And so it's just kind of like full circle to finally be like, oh, now we have a podcast and we have a platform. And Eileen is, um, you know, like our Brittany, very well seasoned um, on the autism parent journey um, because kiddo is uh, 19. Yes, my correct, son is 19. Right? Yeah, yes, okay, 19. Yes. Kano is 19 and she has been blogging and um have had has had a platform on social media for the past 11 years. So she knows a thing or two. And even when she doesn't know something, this is also what's so great. She literally says, I don't know what to do. Please send me help and advice because I, I take full advantage so of my social media platform <laughs> and, and use it like a yes. big tank. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And that's see this those are the positive things. That's the positive stuff from from social media, you know, I'm using it to our advantage. So um mm-hmm. what I what I want to do here now is obviously it's one, you know, let's because because kiddo is nineteen, Eileen has, you know, an origin story about how this all kind of stepped in, how you know, start autism walked into her life. Um mm-hmm. And so we want to hear your story and share it with everyone in the world. Because if people even start following you now, they don't, they don't know where, where it all began and what things have kind of been like for you and taken shape. So, so Uh, turn it over to you. Back in the olden days. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, My son was diagnosed with, and boy, this is when I will sound like a real old lady, um, pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified before autism, as I say now sounds like a video game system where they talk about autism. My son is autism level one. My son is autism level two. And I'm sitting over here like, I have no idea what that means because I've been doing this for way too long. Um, so that's what he got diagnosed with. But since then the DSM, put everything under the umbrella of autism. Um, so I just mm-hmm. stick with that. Um, and I also say with autism and I also say he's autistic. I, I go back and forth on that too. Yeah. Um, but yes, he was diagnosed when he was around like three or four. And ironically, I had just stopped working with autistic teenagers the year before. Um, I had been working for a good seven or eight years doing job coaching and vocational training for autistic teenagers and adults. 
uh, decided to stay home once he was around one and a half and be a stay at home mom. And, you know, I say it's like being part of the mafia. You think you're out and they just bring you right back in. And I found out I had to take my kids early intervention. And then I was getting him diagnosed and it was like, I thought I had left autism and nope, I was right back in it again on the other side of the table, as I say. And we've been there ever since. And um, about 11 years ago, I had a friend who was a DJ at a local radio station who used to write a blog every day for the station. And she kind of just started doing this series of a day in the life. And she would ask Mm. people she knew to write a day of their life for her blog. And she contacted me and she said, would you write a day in the life of an autism mom? But write it like you write your Facebook status updates. That's what she wanted me to do. She's like, I wanted you to, you know, she's like, I want you to keep it just like you do when you're cracking me up about some story about what your kid did. So I thought, okay, I'll do it. What's what, what the heck? And it went viral. Um, I had people hunting me down, wanting to know where my, my blog was. And I was very much, I don't know what you're talking about. I just did this once. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a writer. I I don't have social media accounts. I, you know, like, what are you talking about? And I eventually I had a lot of people in my corner that were like, you should do that. You could do this. Obviously you can do this. So within three or four days, autism with a side of fries was up and running. Um, And it's named after my son because his at the time was his primary food group was French fries. Uh, It's still one of his top tens, but um he was pretty much living off of the product of all the good people of Idaho and their potatoes at that time. Uh, so I just ran, ran with it and went with it. And we've been, you know, it's been 11 years. It's been on Facebook and Instagram. It's opened opportunities for us of things we've been able to do that I never could have anticipated. And, um, Mm-hmm. You know, I started when he was a little wee thing of an eight-year-old, and now he's a 19-year-old with a job. And, you know, uh, something happened in the last couple of years, particularly, where I've, I've felt very compelled to keep writing our story because I was looking around and I realized a lot of blogs and social media accounts about autism are all about little kids. And it's yeah. like people yeah. are forgetting mm-hmm. that our kids grow up. Bro. Mm, yes. And oh, come um, on, right? you know, I had a real moment there. I was like, you know, I, I was thinking about packing it in, but at the same time I was like, no, I can't, there's more to the story. And if I shut up, then it's just one more voice. It's getting silent. Lost. So yeah. mm-hmm. that's why I'm really amping it up now <laughs> as much as I can. Right. It is it. It's huge. It's It's so huge. We talk about this all the time that these are the voices. I mean, all voices need to be heard, but these voices, especially in our community, you know, because that's it. Like we're, we're so in the, in the moment of, you know, of our, of the diagnosis. And generally that's happening now at young, younger ages, but it's like, yeah, what's happening when they're aging out of high school, when they're in the transition program, when they're, you know, going out into the workforce, you know, housing, whatever it might be. So this is so important. Your right. voices are so important. Right. There's not, I mean, like, I think there's two books that I know of um, that released not even again, like just a couple of years ago about even transitioning all any kind of disabled child into adulthood yeah. and what that looks like yeah. and all the moving parts. And it's a huge, huge, huge conversation and even, I mean, the medical professionals, I mean, there's not a lot of stuff out there on that. So if there's not anyone telling that story and, and it becomes a real, I remember talking to, I felt, I mean, it felt terrible. I had a, you know, a, a mutual, you know, another friend on through uh, Facebook and another like kind of like networking group who uh, had two older girls that were both autistic and <clears throat> she had to go through the, you know, becoming guardianship of, of both. And it seemed, she seemed really isolated because, and I couldn't, I, why I could empathize, but I couldn't totally give any insight or advice as to what that process is going to look like, or point her in a direction of like, this is what I heard 
other people are doing or mm-hmm. whatever. There's mm-hmm. not an open discussion about it. There's just, there's a lot of discussion about those, you know, primary years and all the different therapies and mainstreaming your kid and, you know, the dynamics of school. And really, there's all of that out there at that time. But as they, you know, mature and maturation takes place, there's not a lot. It starts to kind of drop off. Oh, you absolutely do. You, you, Um, it's, it's scary. I mean, my son is 19. He will be done with school at 21. And that comes up real quick. I can tell you that right now. 19 came super fast. So I don't even want to think about 21. Mm -hmm. As much as I love social media, because it will highlight stories and viral moments of feel good moments with autism and little kids and how cute they are. And, oh, look at this one. He's talking with Santa Claus or, um, you know, oh, look at this, these groups of children on a playground, all playing together in an inclusive, you know, education program. It's great. But what about, you know, the lonely teenager who is autistic and has no friends outside of school? What about that then? What about the 27 year old unemployed autistic adult that would love to have a job, but can't? Um, We're going through the process right now of really going into adulthood, which is where we did guardianship, which I don't want to say it's soul sucking, but it's it, it just when you thought you were used to everything with autism and your kid's condition, when you have to then prove it in a court of law that they're not capable of what they can't do for themselves. It just, it's right. like, it it just rips the sucking. scab right off that you thought had covered, covered yeah, the cut. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was hard. And then we went through the process of social security, which is its own hell on earth. Um, you know, where my son <clears throat> can't have more than $2,000 in a savings account at any time, but uh, because oh, of social because security of, yeah. and, you know, we live in New Jersey, right. like, you know, he gets a payment of like roughly $600 <clears throat> a month. Don't get me wrong. That's nice. But no one could live on that if he didn't have us. Right. <laughs> you know, he would be screwed. Um, right. You know, so it's stuff like yeah. that where they, the stories that um, aren't told. Right now, there is a movement, and I hope it happens, is that most people who are disabled and on Social Security because of their disability cannot get married without losing their benefits. And that is crazy. You know, and I'm I'm not just talking the, you know, uh, like my kid, like an autistic individual, any disability, and they can't get married Mm -hmm. because it's, Mm -hmm. you know, considered like joint assets or something like that. Like, that's insane. That's insane. Yes. Um, But these are. But what happens? So then you have to refile for Social Security and disability once you're married, because people I know people who are married that those individuals they file for it, but they usually lose benefits either lose them all together or lose a great so, ton of them. Or uh, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so gosh, you're, 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 you're forecasting my legislative advocacy for like the rest yeah. of my life right now. Basically, if you're saying this is what we have to do, even on a federal level, and this is crazy. People don't know that. And it's just mm-hmm. one of those things you don't know until you're in it. Um, right. It's, it's crazy to stuff. And then while you're doing so at the same time of while you're getting a judge to declare your child not capable of making like, you know, important life decisions, applying for social security because they can't hold a job or they're completely underemployed. Um, <laughs> you'll get things like, you know, in the case of my son is when he turns 18, no matter what his abilities are he still has to register for um the military you know for the draft regardless of his disability <laughs> i kid you not if this is a law i know i every time i tell moms of young kids this they look at me like i'm crazy <laughs> i know that this is an audience medium right now but to the audience i just let you know these two women are looking at me like are you crazy no this is true um you have to register your child for the draft. Now, if we were to have a draft, obviously your child would then right. be dismissed from it, be. but you would have to prove it. 
so I mean, it doesn't matter that you I, have. So, like, I'm sorry. What? What? Are, what? 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 Exactly. Year are and we it doesn't in? matter. What's you happening? know, here I have my phone where I have my on my files my guardianship letter saying I'm his guardian. But the army could call a recruiter can call my house looking for my kid. <laughs> oh boy! I have to laugh. I have to laugh because it's just to me. It's just so absurd. Exactly the word yeah, that was in it's my just, brain. You have to laugh, yes. because otherwise, yeah. you know, I don't feel like I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm also in some capacity. I'm not shocked in understanding even like the history of disability and our autistic kids. You know, through war efforts, um, they were just bodies that yep. were disposable. Yes, and it was a way to almost have you know to to, to rid out with yeah weed weed those that people that they didn't see fit for society, and so a part of me, part of me feels like there's a correlation there, and one of the reasons why maybe that hasn't changed. Um, right. That's that is very interesting, and. Um, Oh my yeah. gosh. Wow. But at the same wow. token, so did my you... son can register to vote. Like, it's just, there's really, there's, there's. Right. And, and you should, should be able to do that. If you want him, if you want him to pay taxes, if you want him to be employed, he, he, he deserves to totally. be able to vote. And my, and yeah. I can on, honestly say my son wants to, because he's one of his, um, his obsessions is the president's and to him, the idea to go to vote for a president is very exciting for him. So yeah. one oh, day yes, he yes. will go vote for a president because to him, that's the important one. I've asked him last year if he wanted to go vote. And his first thing was for president. I said, there's no president this year. And he's like, nah, never mind. Like that was his, <laughs> that was his reply. but I was going to take him because he's registered yeah. You know, why not? Yeah. He's right. like, I don't care about all those other, all yeah, those other people. Like, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, these are the things you have oh to think about for Can your I... child as they get older. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Now, did you, did you blog about the guardianship process and did you blog about the social security I have, process? I've, I've written a lot about it on Facebook. Um, because some of it is just so shockingly strange, the whole process, because mm-hmm. how it is in New Jersey is completely different in other states, which is another thing where right. I think, shouldn't this be like a national standard we all across the board? Totally. Yes. Um, one yes. thing that I found kind of shocking was just not that it was confusing, but it's so much paperwork that you have to gather together which I am not that mindset at all. That's just not my strength. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily it's my husband's, but I'll, I'll put it to you this way. People ask all the time, should you get an attorney for doing this? I'm going to tell you yes. And I say this as someone who's married to an attorney and this is not his specialty at all. And he said, we need to get an attorney. Like he didn't even know the steps to take. So we were, you know, luckily right. through his networking, he knew somebody and we could go to them. But like, I'm like, I would not attempt this on your own. And I don't say this to scare parents, but if your kid is little, start socking some money away with the idea of guardianship one day yeah. that you need to go sit in an attorney's office to set up this guardianship. I know parents that have done it um, by themselves. But I don't suggest it because it's a lot. <laughs> it's while while you're already yeah, in exactly a lot exactly right. yeah yeah right yeah right right. It's um, like people that do DIY weddings; they've done it, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> and <laughs> and this um, is coming from an yeah. ex event planner. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I, I had a bride that made her own wedding dress. Or no, sorry, she made all of her bridesmaids' dress. Oh, she's got skills I don't have. And, <laughs> And she, cause she was a fashion designer and I said, she at least had someone make her dress, but I, I kid you not the day of we are sitting there sewing, buttoning. And I, you know, I had a bit of, bit of that skill set myself. We're just, we're just fixing them all up as we're getting, I'm like, I looked at her and I said, 
would you ever? She's like, I will never do that again. And I said, okay. All right. Well, I'm glad we, we had that conversation before. And now we see. Sometimes you have yeah. to learn the hard way. Um, but yeah, so it's, it is those kind of moments. So, and I think parents that I have talked to have, have went along the path of, of hiring an attorney, having legal counsel to mm-hmm. advise them of mm-hmm. themselves. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of movies. It is. And I had so it. many people yeah. saying, well, isn't mm-hmm. your husband an attorney? And I said, yes, that should tell you something that we went and hired another <laughs> one. That's, because it's not it's yeah and it's always a case of like you know you need to go to the gynecologist you don't go to the cardiologist because you need a pap smear you know you get the person that knows what they're doing (laughs) 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 i would suggest that to um if you start socking the money away that helps but if that's an issue for you as well is to look at your bar association and call them and at request um they have a list there's pro always bono. a list in every bar association of attorneys that work for pro bono yeah so um okay i'm gonna be super annoying girls i'm sorry uh ladies i mean um <laughs> eileen can you just like take it back really quickly back to the the beginning so for for those of our audience who do not know you just a little bit of your son's like like childhood. So like obviously you working with um the autistic community already was kind of was that in your benefit of of noticing like signs and 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 or how did that how did that all transpire yes. for you guys? Were you and your husband on the same page? Were you you know like I know that's all these questions like um you know how how did that like really early Right at diagnosis time. Um, look right around guys. 18 months is when the milestone of like starting to talk babble really should be coming out. Okay. Yeah. And my son wasn't doing right. that. He had about three words that he consistently said. And then eventually those kind of disappeared. He wasn't saying them anymore. But prior to that, he hit every milestone early. So Everyone, including his own pediatrician, said, oh, early walker, late talker. Don't worry about it. He's a boy. Nothing to be concerned about. Um, mm-hmm. All the things that they say. It was the last thing on my mind, to be honest with you. I had never anticipated mm-hmm. being a parent to a child with, that was going to be autistic, even though it was right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're surrounded by people who are telling you that, no, there's nothing wrong. Why? Why are you bringing this up? You really start to believe everybody because you want to think that it will be okay. Um, Eventually, Mm -hmm. in New Jersey, there is an early intervention program where very nice therapists come to your house and work with your kids, which I encourage every uh, parent to do. At least get them screened. Mm -hmm. Can't hurt to get them screened. Um. They came in, they started evaluating him and doing, making us fill out forms and doing tests with him. And there was this moment where I was filling one of the forms out and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I know where this is going. And at the end of the session, my husband brought our son downstairs to play and I was talking to the two therapists that were there. And I just said, are you screening him for autism? And they both looked at each other and one of them looked at me and she said, well, we can't diagnose, but you know, there's a lot of areas on the spectrum your child might fall. And that's pretty much the first time it was said to me and I was dumbfounded. Hmm. Um, They left. I told my husband because I was just, you know, overwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, He couldn't believe it. But at the same time, he was right on board. Well, we're going to fix it. Like, that's what a lot of parents do when your kid is little. You're you're like, okay, sick kid, take to doctor, get medicine, get treatment. And we just went, Mm -hmm. you know, running towards what we had to do and getting him early intervention services and fighting, find a speech therapist that was willing to work with a kid that was two. Um, you know, stuff like that, getting occupational therapy started, um, getting him enrolled in our town's early intervention preschool when he was three to start that progress as well. And then, start, you know, just when you get comfortable with early intervention people in your house at two, 
you're moving on to three moving and now on. this is a yeah. whole new arena that you're going to be in with IEPs and evaluations and child study teams and case managers. And you get c- comfortable and normal with preschool. You go to elementary, it's a whole other school system and you know, you're working for inclusion time and um, you know, for many years you get comfortable with that. And then you go and get thrown to the wolves. As I say, middle school is where things really change with how they, I don't know if we can talk about this. I yeah, have anxiety they, already. <laughs> I already yeah. have had anxiety about this. I've been in discussions um, about it. Middle school was a complete cluster F for us. Mm. Um, it became mm-hmm. increasingly clear that, my town up to that point was able to educate my son. When he went to the middle school, it was very clear that they were no longer willing to educate my son. (laughs) Um, And a fun fun fact, uh, I went there to the school one day because they were really good at, Oh, you're acting up. We're going to call your mom. Guess what that taught my kid. Yeah, that was each. Yeah, yep. just keep acting up and I can go so home. So I was there picking him up mm-hmm. and the principal said to me, oh, I heard about you. You're autism with a side of fries. I sure hope you don't write about me. Oh, but she did. Oh. And let me tell you, that's when I started following her. And I remember those stories. And I was like, I would be like, I would, I was like, don't you call me. I need you guys to learn how to work through these things with my son. Don't you be calling me asking me to come well, pick up my kid. You're the professional. Yeah, like, and, get it um, together. It was really, it was a disaster. And I finally, we would just, they were like, we're, we're done with him. We can't do anything with him. Um, and I finally got another phone call where they were like, oh, he's acting up again. And I walked in and I just, I just literally said, get his stuff, pack it all up. We're leaving. We're done. You're finding him a new school. So my son's been yeah. in an outer district placement ever since 2016 and at the time I was scared to do it because um, he would be only with kids that had special needs, which that's not the problem. My thing was, is I wanted him to be around kids that didn't have special needs as well, because modeling has shown to be very important to our children. Both ways. Um, But at that time it was more important the priority was his anxiety that had come from this whole situation. We had to treat that. Um, mm-hmm. He was so happy at the new school that I was like, you know what? This is, he's telling us what he needs at this point. And I had to drop my pre my preconceived notion of no, he needs to have inclusion time with typical kids. And, and he's been at that school ever mm-hmm. since. Um, and, you know, I, I've told parents we got very lucky with my district that they were willing to pay for it. I know a lot of parents who have had to fight their districts to get their kids put into out-of-district placements because that's not for free. You know, your district has to pay for it. Um, right. I'm lucky and my district is because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to educate them the way that he needs to be educated. <laughs> so that's part of it. <laughs> um, but it's it's a tough it's a tough thing when your district won't do it. So, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that is a uh, very heartbreaking also as a parent, it's very um, deflating to know that that's how you have to pivot and you feel like the public, yeah, well, it's so crazy. It's a, it's a catch 22 because here, and this is a big debate here in Texas because they're trying to get school vouchers passed, but they're doing it, you know, using special needs parents. Oh God, I that. I, I've read said, articles like that and it makes my heart just like, oh, mm-hmm. mm, it's so bad. It is. It's so bad. I can't even tell you how bad. And they, it's, it's explaining that parents, if they unilaterally decide to place their child in private placement, they forfeit the procedural safeguards. So here's the thing. You still have parent choice through your IEP or slash quote unquote, like here in Texas, ARD committee, if you, if the public school system is not fit to, or they aren't able to, your local ISD is not able to serve those kids, private placement is cap- is possible through that committee and they have to fully fund it. I mean, it really, really, I mean, they have to. And one of the reasons why they'll try to fight private placement is because, well, we'll try to make it work with this kid because we can't afford 
to pay mm. for that to send them to X, Y, and Z. And so that is, that's hard. But the voucher doesn't solve that problem because let me tell you, those vouchers are just such a little teeny tiny bit of money when you're talking about what it is that, where our kids have yeah. to go. And so it's a huge, what, huge yes. problem. And so did, so did he, you said he's been in and out of district placement. So he's come no, back. He's still to not the out of district. He's been in and out of district placement since 2016. He's been at the same school, but it's out of our school district. Yeah. Um, okay. Out of the voucher yeah. thing yes. drives me crazy because I'll put it this way. I want two years, like the year after he went out of district, the budgets in our town got released from the board of ed and he was the only kid going to that school. They don't list the kids by name, but they list, you know, they'll realize seven students going to, you know, communication high school or, you know, all the various different vocational programs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they had his name of his school and they had one student and they actually had what it cost. And then I found the transportation because they pay for his transportation too. So for one year, which is what they do yeah. through the IEP. Yep. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Okay. Uh, it was $140,000 a year. It was costing them to send my son to this school. And that's just one. So when I hear, you know, somebody like, Oh gee, uh, you know, way back when Betsy DeVos and all her nonsense um, going on about how you'll get a voucher for, you know, for your child and you can pick wherever you go. Yeah. Great. If that voucher could actually make a significant dent in that cost. Cause when you have one mm-hmm. kid going for $147,000, are you kidding me? No parent could afford that. Mm-hmm. There's no way. No. And my kid had a one-on-one. And, and not to mention, and they're, and they're going to have to also get their yeah, own transportation. transportation. They're going to have to their transportation. They're going to have to pay for yeah. books. They're going to have to pay for uniforms. All of those things are extra costs when you yeah. send your kid to private institutions yeah. on top of the tuition. Yeah. It's not and included in the also tuition. Had a one-to-one. So I had, you add that person's salary on top of it. And that was like $147,000 oh, for the year. And he was going to the cheap That's school. crazy. That's the part that killed me. Uh. <laughs> Oh he was God. going to the bargain, the bargain. Yeah. Um, how, you know, so when I see people going on about how voucher is going to be like somehow saving education, it it's not. And it bugs the heck out of me that they use the, you know, the disabled, disabled community so much. Like there's a part of me that's like, please As get a, your, yeah. please get our names out of your mouth. Like, I just don't. Yeah, it is. It is. Get your names out. Get your kids. Because yeah. like this is not. Do not use your nonsense to sell your 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 snake oil here, because it is not going to yeah. work for our our community at all. Mm-hmm. It's not. And I get it. And listen. And they they make driving these points of. And I'll just make this comment and then we'll move on. But they drive these points of like, well, there's all different learners, and you know, not not everything serves every learner. Yes. I'm all for that. And I totally understand that, but But, don't mm -hmm. exploit it Mm -hmm. to then push an agenda for something that literally is really guys to something else. And, Mm -hmm. and you're, and you're playing on the emotions and the heartstrings of parents who really are going through like, you know, you've been, I'm, I'm certain of it that you've been in that, in those situations, like where you're like, this is so traumatic. I can't take another thing like dealing with whatever's mm-hmm. trying to go on with my son and navigating these systems, being compounded by that in the moment, you want relief, you're seeking relief. And so because you're, because you're in this state of like hyper arousal, it's really important for people and lawmakers or anybody in authority or in education to be very aware of that, of like, mm-hmm. and they're not, they don't have that awareness. They don't have that understanding of like where parents are at when they're experiencing that and how that impacts yeah. decision-making. And when you throw out these little, I'll call them schemes or whatever, it's, you know, it seems, it's seems no, attractive. One thing to piggyback on that is I always say every year for like election time, 
everybody concentrates on the big ones. Like what I was saying before, my son's guilty of it. I just want to vote for president. No, you need to know, like down to your local board of elections, board of education, Mm -hmm. how they're voting, how they're thinking, because it affects your kid on a daily level. And I get it. It's one more thing you got to learn. It's one more thing you got to make yourself familiar with, but dear God, don't just go into a ballot box and go, Oh, I saw their name on a flyer. I guess they're okay. You know, like, oh, don't do that, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest of us are really need you not to do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Amen. I totally support that. Being a local elected official, I yeah. that is exactly yeah. very important and very true. So thank, amen. Thank oh, you. Come for, on. Bring it to church, thank you. Girls. Thank you for saying that because that's so, so true. And I know it is, and it is hard. I know our parents because they're in our DMs, you know, they're yeah, overwhelmed like, it's a lot, by really. yes. this. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's just another domain that we have to pay attention to. And it is very unfortunate because we, um, we already have so much on our plates and it seems so mm-hmm. unfair. It's kind mm-hmm. of like we, our kids have to do so much work to belong to this world and the rest of the world doesn't have to put out that additional effort. It's very, very. No, I mean, just look at it. Any other family, um, when they walk into a place, do they have to, you know, immediately identify their children's neurology? No, but that's what we're doing when we go into situations like, Hey, could you mind turning down that music? My son has auditory sensitivity. And oh, why is that? Oh, because he's autistic and he has mm-hmm. sensory. like, I have to become the autism information kiosk that wanders around. And a regular family doesn't have mm-hmm. to do that. But. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do not. They can just walk in there. And then really just focus on, okay, everyone yeah. mind your manners. And order your food and we're going to get in. We're going to get mind your manners, mind your manners. I'd rather have an autistic child than a child. That's just, yeah, exactly. I will take that any day of the week. Oh my God. So I love the coding. I love the coding and the, uh, on on this episode, you can tell, you know what I'm saying? I mean, (laughs) that's so funny. Um, so, it, it is, it is true though. I, I do want to say like, you know, just, just kind of being involved even at this, at the, or dipping your toes into the smallest bit of like in, in your school district, you know, and, and knowing what they are for and knowing what they are going to legislation with and et cetera. Um, and just starting, you know, little, if you have to, just to have an understanding and awareness of what is going on in your, <clears throat> just in your small right. vicinity, you know, right. um, uh, because yeah, like you get girls said, it's, it will, it's going to affect your child, you know, in one way or another up the line, you know, and as they're growing, like, like your son, Eileen. So, yeah. So right now, so you already are Mm -hmm. guardian. He's 19. He's working. How, and because you had that vocational experience to train, that was, that was kind of your lane of expertise. Um, did that, was that helpful? Did that come into play did, for you? Um, his school program now where he's at, they go out in the community three times a week. Right now they're working at a local restaurant. Um, they prep, they open the restaurant for lunch. They, you know, they put on all the silverware, the placemats, they're cleaning menus. They're setting it all up. Um, during the summertime, I discovered a local coffee shop by me that was employing um, local adults, disabled adults. And I got in touch with them and I said like, Hey, if you're ever hiring, I got a 19 year old, he'd love to work. And they're like, Oh, guess what? We're adding an extra day of opening this coffee shop. Cause they were working out of, um, a catering space. So the days that this caterer wasn't in their, their kitchen, they were allowing the space to be used for this coffee shop program. So they're like, oh, we're going an extra day. We're going to do a Sunday morning. How's your son for getting up early? And I'm like, we've been training for this moment our whole lives because my son's up five o'clock every day. (laughs) So let's do this thing. Um, And he got his first job. He's working there. He's been there for about a month on Sunday mornings. He opens the place. He stocks up all the coffee. He gets the urns going. He runs food orders back and forth to the register from the kitchen. Uh, and it's 
the craziest thing in the world was to drop my son off at something that wasn't attached to his school whatsoever. It was independent of that. And then leave. Like, I'm not supposed to be there. They've got job coaches. They were good. And I said to my husband later, I'm like, look at us, like, doing typical parenting stuff. Like, I dropped him off. He picked him up later. Like, it was just so bizarre. Um, But he loved it. Uh, But again, this goes back to the social security thing is a lot of people were like, oh, my God, is he getting paid? Is that going to get messed up his social security? I've actually asked them right now to keep it as a volunteer job because I don't want to mess that up. Mm. And that's like something that sucks. Like Mm. he's 19. He should have a job if he wants a job. But I can't Mm -hmm. risk risk that getting screwed up right now. But. To me, it was more important that he get the job experience than anything else. But he wants to work. He's always liked to feel like he's doing something meaningful. He's never been the type of kid that you could kind of BS him into doing something. Like, you know, when they were toddlers and you would say, oh, can you help mommy and put these like washcloths in a in a laundry bin? And some kids would just love that. My kid would be like, why? Like, <laughs> he would just know. He would just know it was like joke like so for him to see that he's doing something with his peers that's typical of what you would think a 19 year old should be working in a coffee shop on a sunday morning he loves it it makes him feel proud of himself he walks out of there and i swear he's three feet taller he's just walking with like a smile on his face he knows he's doing something that's good he gets the biggest kick out of my husband picking him so up awesome. from the end of a shift because my husband always goes in for a coffee and, you know, sees him working behind the counter with an apron on. Mm-hmm. And it's it's nothing oh, that I could have ama- imagined when he was so little. And I had somebody telling me, oh, well, he, he you know, he might be on the spectrum. And you, you're thinking, oh, my God, what's he ever mm-hmm. going to do in his life? Like, what is he ever what's his future? And he's doing it. Mm-hmm. He's doing it. And I'm so proud of him for mm-hmm. it because he's doing that on his own. There's nothing I did. Yeah. He proved he proves it every time he goes. Oh, so awesome. So is he he's considered in the 18 yeah. plus program? Mm-hmm. Is that where he is right now? Okay. And are you is he wanting to continue school beyond that or is just kind of working on workforce kind of right now he's kind of content where he is it's one of those things where i kind of wonder like how are we ever going to present anything else to him because it's really all he's ever known since he was three he's Mm -hmm. been in school like you know he never had a summer off he always had like summer program with the school and things like that and I've had people ask in the past, like, oh, don't, do you think he minds in the summer that he has to go to school? And I'm like, no, because he knows no other way. Like, to him, this is what you do. You go to school. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm hopeful that by the time he leaves there, there will be, and I'm, this is something I'm working on. Um, there's a program that I'm on a board for, for a local charity called the Mammoth Ocean Foundation for Children. And we are opening the achieve Academy for adults with autism. And it's going to be a 21 plus program. And the point of it is, is that the education doesn't stop at 21. There will be job opportunities. Mm -hmm. There will be job training, but there will also be continuing services like still having speech, still having occupational therapy, still needing physical therapy, still needing life skills training. That stuff doesn't stop when they turn 21. Um, so this is, we're in the process of fundraising for it now. We're having a ground ba- breaking ceremony this week. We have the building. Yay. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping. That is very he exciting. He will either be in that program once it's fully up and operational or something similar to it. But to me, that was something that I became mm-hmm. involved in as he got older because I was looking around and I'm like, where the hell is he going to go? There ain't anywhere for him to go. And I realized it. Right. That had I not had a child with autism and if I was still working with autistic teens, if I had parents that came up to me and said, well, where's my kid going to go after this? I wouldn't have an answer. So I realized 
I had to become involved in something. So I would have an answer to tell other parents like, well, this is what Mm -hmm. I'm doing and this is what's getting created. And it's something beautiful that I've seen throughout the country of people that I've get to talk to through social media, which is awesome. So many parents are doing these kinds of things where they're creating adult programs because Mm -hmm. they're just simply not there. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've said it to my husband 10 or 15 years ago, like I will do something with my kid. I will create some sort of business for him. He will do work. He will not sit on his ass. Pardon yeah. me. Um, <laughs> they told me before <laughs> leaving recording, ladies, we had to keep Arse. it clean. Sorry. <laughs> told you. Where's he today? Um, but like, I don't want him sitting at home. Well, I don't want him working. And he wants that. That's the thing. It's not even just me. It's him. Right. Oh. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kids want yeah. that. That's right. I mean, so I, um, so locally here, that's something that definitely took place you know, in, in our local community, but it's still not fulfilling the whole need. Like I was um, talking my uh, PRN um, and my neurologist office for my son. She has a son who's 20 and on the spectrum and they are trying to find a day program. He's, he's, you know, he, he doesn't, he's completely non-speaking. He still is wearing pull-ups. They can't even, she now has a Medicaid waiver. She has, funding for respite there's no worker there's no workforce there's nothing in the pipeline and so luckily her husband's able to work from home but like we're still there's so many needs that still need to be fulfilled and like you said if it's the parents it's parents like us like we identify that need has to happen and we have to figure out how to make it happen because it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. and so kudos to you for doing that and recognizing that and uh, honestly beginning to do that. So you're, you're ready for that transition as he's about to step out of, um, you know, of the 18 I was plus really program. Lucky. It kind of fell into is- my lap and somebody pointed me in the direction of this group and they're like, you need to get on that board. So I approached them. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I need to be here. <laughs> I need to get in Love on it. this. Um, that is, that is it's amazing. just, you have to, it's just, it's one thing that I have to say with one benefit my child has taught me is how to get my mouth to stay open when I got something to say. Like I cannot be shy because mm-hmm. of him. He does not afford me that opportunity mm-hmm. in many circumstances because I'm either explaining something he's doing or something he needs. And it just it trickles mm-hmm. down into your whole personality. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, as a parent, you want your child to do something that makes them happy. I know my son would not be happy staying home five days a week doing nothing. What's the point of having a yeah. weekend if you're yeah. not doing anything during and the week? Do you yeah. know, the beautiful thing, though, too, Eileen, is that, that yes, this started with your son, but now this is so much more than just your son in what you are doing, right? As an advocate for the community. Yes, it is all, it, it, your heart is in your child, but um, you're changing so many other people's lives as well. I hope so. And that is incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Are you going to know like, about this? Or are you going to like do right as it? Oh yeah. I mean, now there's already, there's going to be coverage about it. I'll be posting about it on my social media and whatnot. So Yeah. That is yeah. awesome, yeah. and I hope that this everybody is beautiful ripple it effect, has to, right? right? You know, this is people. It started with you, but it's gone. It's it'll it'll vibrate so far out, you know. Right. So so An much. An adult program family, doesn't have you know? to be big, and I've seen people start adult programs in their living rooms. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just that simple. You do, yeah. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they want to be treat, treated like adults. So, That's the other thing too. Yeah. Right. Well, they period. are adults. Yeah. They are. <laughs> yeah. So are. period. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the things I love about our um, adaptive PE director and special uh, Olympics director for the district. She calls everybody. I mean, and even from their youngest age, they're all young men and young women. And mm-hmm. she constantly refers to them in that capacity. And so they aren't, they're not minimized down to being less than just being a boy or a girl. Like, you know, you're going to be 
you're going to, we're going to push you to your fullest potential. And it doesn't matter where, what your, your disability is. It's that's so important. So you did touch on this just a little bit and I wanted to have a little bit of your feedback and kind of also, it sounds very positive where you are, where he is now, but you know, the, the peer to peer for your son, um, Mm. like Mm -hmm. building friendships, Friendships. how did you, you know, when you started bumping up against that and that during that middle school, in those middle school years and him obviously, obviously yeah. being aware of the fact of whether he had friends or not, how did you facilitate, you know, potentially maybe getting friendships or, or how were you managing well, that? What was that one like? thing I had to realize is I had to, for myself redefine what a friendship is. I know what friendship looks like to me mm. as a neurotypical parent. I don't know what it looks like as an autistic teenage boy because I'm just simply not one. So right. there were going to be different. I I thought he needed to be around typical kids all the time. Because of his education, the way it panned out, it wasn't just going to be the way it was just not going to happen. That didn't stop him from developing friendships. They were just different kinds of friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a tricky position because he is an only child. So, yeah, when he comes home, he's hanging out with his 49-year-old mother. Like, lucky him, right? Um, <laughs> so he likes going to school because he's going to see his friends that are his age. And, yeah, there are yeah. ways he bonds with them because they're all doing the same autistic type of things as he's doing like he's got buddies that are obsessed with trains and presidents like he is and they have their fun together that's just kind of what i've had to lean on to develop with him i don't you know i can't say i've shunned the typically developing peer completely but you know, we go with where he's comfortable and he's comfortable hanging out with his friends at his right. school. He knows them. One strange thing that happened yeah. last year, um, which was kind of a hoot in a, I can laugh about it now way is that um, my school district wanted to include him in the high school yearbook of the high school. He'd never went to a day in his life. <laughs> But because technically he was a resident in our town, he's under their like school umbrella. And they called me up saying, oh, well, we want to put him in the yearbook. And I'm like, for what? He's never been to the school. Yeah. He doesn't know them. They don't know him. Kids to look at it and say, who is this kid? Yeah. And that's something that really bothers me. I'm like, you want to parade my kid out? Like a mascot, like, look how nice we are. We put the kid that's disabled in our yearbook. And I flat out mm-hmm. refused. I said, no. I said, he does. And they did not understand. Yeah, they were so true. gobsmacked that I said no to this. And I just, like, I ripped our now former caseworker <laughs> um, a new one over. And I'm like, I said, how can you say this? I said, he doesn't know these people. He doesn't. He's not, he's not a sticker that you can add to the yearbook because you want to make yourself feel good that you put the autistic kid in your yearbook. Right. That's, that's their idea of inclusion. inclusion. Period. Right. Yeah. But they think that it is because it's an invitation and it's a placement and we're putting, he's never been invited there. Hmm. They never contacted Hmm. him, you know, to say, Hey, there's a, a dance going on. Do you want to bring your kid? This is the football schedule. These are the home games. Do you want to bring your kid? Like nothing, but let's roll Mm -hmm. it around. And when we need to make ourselves look good, we'll do the photo op. And uh, Mm. that was, I, I never thought I'd see red as fast as I did when I had that phone call with that person. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) are you kidding me? That's not inclusion. I would have lost it too. Yeah. That's the scary part to me is like, some yearbook committee that has nothing but teenagers in it and like one teacher is being taught, oh, this is how we do inclusion, folks. We're just going to stick this picture in of this kid that never went to your school, but they're disabled. So we want to do it to look good. 
Like what a horrible lesson. Yeah, and, or, and like, where does that, where does that trickle down from? Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like there's, so that's levels of. And what bugs me is that Gen Z knows yeah. better than that. Like that to me was insulting even to the neurotypical kids. Like they probably even knew that that was how, how ridiculous that was. How performative. performative. That was. Woo, come on. So exactly. that to, that's where I think sometimes we've, we are better off where we landed because we're not surrounded by that on a daily basis. <laughs> I probably would have right. been in jail if I yes. was. So, <laughs> you know, um, I literally could, I mean, I, I'm not even kidding. I feel like I could talk to you for like a whole nother hour and, and, and I don't think the world realizes how much I have dialed back my East coast. I get, I, I don't think they realize it here in Texas, here in Texas, like my superintendent and my other board members and other trustees and stuff that I work with. And they're like, Gene, I wouldn't exactly describe you as gentle. And I was like, you have no idea how far I've come. I, you have no idea. If I was straight up still Baltimore, you would, you have no idea what you'd be getting. Um, and then, uh, so it's like, what, um, like, can you, can you cut me some slack? Can you applaud me for that? I actually have a little Southern <laughs> genteel in me. I feel like I did. I feel like I adapted, you know? And so I get to actually show and I'll be, I cannot wait to be like, you guys have to listen to this episode just alone to understand this I is where it. I came from. Coast, yeah. <laughs> like this is, this is what's inside me. And I have to, I have to to calm it down. I have to. It's what's inside me. And yeah, I've never you, even lived you know, there. You, know. Southerners, you do that whole bless your heart thing. And I know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know too. Listen, but I don't, I've only lived here for seven years. I've only lived here for seven years. So I don't even oh, like no. consider myself that. And I've never used that term, but I think, I think my version of that instead of bless your heart, I would be like, I mean this in the kindest way. Yeah. <laughs> In New Jersey, it's always have a nice day because you can take that as a very nice thing to say or a threatening sort of way. (laughs) (laughs) Or my new favorite, have the day you deserve. That's my new favorite. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. You know what? You're giving us some good one-liners. We we save these, you know, for future, you know, now that we launched the merch shop. And I can mm. plug I can <laughs> plug that now. Tasha, we can plug that now on episodes. Woo-hoo! We have a merch There you shop, go. Right? Oh my god. But for future development of um, you know, items and things to be printed on, like, you know, you're giving us some <laughs> some good content. We would quote you. We would quote <laughs> yeah. you. Uh, yeah. don't you worry. Um, but you were such a like oh, pleasure to so have on. So me. fun. Again, it, it was like it's like oh, full circle. Okay. I'm very excited to follow and hear what's going on with, you know, how, how the new pilot for this new program, 21 plus program opens up and um, you will be so inspired. I mean, everything that you even shared is going to really inspire people to know that they can do things for their, for their kids, well, you know, yeah, and because no one else advocate. is going to come do it. I mean, I've always joked the temp agency won't send a mom. Oh, we got a friend. Hello. <laughs> um. <laughs> McKenna joined. <laughs> but you, it's, it's, uh, it is again too, Eileen, just so important for, for our community, you know, to hear for the parents of our community to hear, um, your story, to hear, those who have gone before and, and, and what the future could or would, or, you know, however they're going to make it look, you know, so it's, it's, your story is so important. You're, it's thank so you for letting me share it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, and so if people want to find you again, what is your uh, Instagram handle? Prize, which is on Instagram. It's also on Facebook and it's also on threads. I am uh, technically on Twitter, but um, that's just become a, well, I don't have words for that. Yes, we know. (laughs) A poop poop show. I will have the words for you. I I don't go there anymore. (laughs) 
and then and then use and then the blog um, your blog how, the how side of fries at blogspot.com uh but if you're looking for the latest just look on social media that's where it's the more on Instagram, current stuff social media okay okay yeah and and we will have all this linked in our uh show notes for everybody so um so awesome jean sorry go ahead oh yeah no i'm i'm good i i i so my kids are home I, I apparently approved this calendar, the school year calendar. And every single time we arrive to like something and I go, he's forgot. What? what? Like, why would I, why would I approve a five day weekend in the middle of October? Oh, why? why? Well, oh no. <laughs> but, but in all honesty, it's like, okay, they're, the staff is doing personal development and then they have conferences yeah. on Friday and then Monday is holiday. Um, yeah. Ho- so yeah, the you know, same thing happens. here. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, it's, I, I even, I was like, do I tell everybody that my kids are home? I usually, if I bring attention to it, then I'm going to have problems. If I don't bring attention to it, I know I can fly under the radar and just make it happen. And I would say that was pretty good. That, that was a good stretch for, before I got interrupted. <laughs> Girl, you know? come on. And I hope that Rory's not, you know, in the other room setting the house on fire or playing with knives. Oh, and you don't smell smoke, stuff, it's fine. So <laughs> Let it roll. <laughs> it's the risk that I take. It's the risk that I take. So um, everyone, um, follow Eileen. Um, f- obviously, follow us if you aren't on social media. If you have feedback, we know we love your testimonials. We want to see that, whether you do it on any of our podcast players or um or you actually send us a, a DM or a comment on our community page. We love, love, love all that feedback. And we know that now we'll be forever connected to Mama Fry here. She is our people. She's definitely me and Tasha's people for sure. A hundred percent. We'll get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> We're real talk people. And that is what you can always count on for us. Um, so thank you for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye, guys.